Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I want to talk a little bit today about transformative relationships. Transformative relationships. We've been looking at Jesus transforming our lives. And I will tell you this, God wants to change us all the time, every chance he can get. If you're not being changed and transformed, if you're not growing and developing, if you're not learning, then you're stagnant. And another word for stagnant is stuck. Another word is a rut. And we've told you many times, all a rut is is a grave with the ends dug out. We get stuck in a rut. We get the commonplace. We get the common thing. We just, this is who I am. This is all I am. This is all I'll ever be. And I want to challenge that to say, no, the Lord changes us and makes us new. If his grace and glory is new every morning, then God is changing us from the inside out. Remember, we've been using this verse, Romans 12, 2, as our base verse. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform. Let's read the rest, will we? To the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't need to be a Greek scholar to know that Paul is saying this is a continual process. We're constantly being renewed, getting rid of stinking thinking and putting right thinking in our minds. And then he goes on to the next verse, Romans 12, 3, for by grace given me, I say, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In other words, in other words, be real. It's okay to look at yourself and be real and assess where you're at, to have godly, spirit-filled people around you to help you assess that, and then say before the Lord, I want my life to be changed in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So when Jesus invited people to follow him, it was the followers New assignment now to live out the calling of Jesus in their life, to live the words that he spoke, to go and emulate what he did as he loved people. He cared for the marginalized and the down and out. It was his half-brother James who said these words. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Is, Is dead. And there are lots of people who say, yep, I know Jesus. And then you ask them this, do you live for him? Yes. <laughs> and then you say, show me your faith by your, your works. We, we don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. Now, there's something different about a follower of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus. They think differently. They love differently. They serve differently. And as we saw last week, if you were with us, we're committed to the ministry of reconciliation, as though God were speaking to us, and here's the phrase, be reconciled to God. That's our message. And it's not enough to pat people on the head and say, I sure love you, you're wonderful. I mean, go ahead and affirm. But then say the next thing about them. Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or tell them this, God loves you so much, just as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Oh, Pastor Bernie, we don't want to challenge anybody in life. Okay, can I just tell you the gospel is challenging? When Jesus said to fishermen, 
leave your stuff and follow me, that was a challenge. It was a challenge for them to actually rise up and follow after Jesus. Will you follow him? Will you believe him? Will you live the life that he calls you to live? Will you be transformed by him, his teachings, and by the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus invites us into a relationship with him to do life with him. Now, in John's gospel, we go to this thing called the Last Supper. And uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke do a great job talking about the cup, talking about the bread, the elements of communion. But John doesn't really speak much of them at all. What he talks about is what happened as they gathered at the Last Supper. And you'll remember this. Jesus gets down with the towel and the basin, and he washes the disciples' dirty, stinky, camel trail feet. They walk where the camels walked, right? They walk where the donkeys walked. Therefore, they had stuff on their feet. And Jesus gets down and washes their feet. I love the picture of John because it's very relational. It's very servant-oriented. And in John 15, we see Jesus talking to us from his heart. And he says, remain in me as I also remain where? In you. No branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine and and you are the branches. Do you see the connection? I'm I'm the vine. You want to go live your life? Go, Go live your life. But your life won't produce fruit. Fruit that remains. It only produces when you're connected to me. When you're grafted into me, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah, yeah. put that on your next uh, social media post and see how that flies. Dear friends, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Well, yes, we can. We can get up and make breakfast. I can turn my car on. I can, create, I can create rockets that fly in the sky. I can, I can, I can, I can. He's not talking about day-to-day life. He's talking about impacting others for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He's talking about fruit that will remain after you are off the planet and you've invested in the next generation and you've made a difference around your world. So we know Jesus as, um, uh, how? How do we know Jesus? He is the... Okay, Savior, that's good. Would we say he's a master? Could we say um, he's, what was he as a rabbi? He was, he was a teacher? But could I challenge you from this passage to say he is a participant in your life, or rather this way, your life gets to participate in his life, vine and, and branches. See, Jesus wants to live his life in us, and I know that's simple, but it's a challenge. And then it gets worse. Are you ready for this one? He wants to live his life through you. Through you. That we are his hands and his feet. We are his heart. We are his voice. We see people the way Jesus sees people. And so if you're a note taker, write this down. Last week I forgot to fill in a second service and I got three emails. (laughs) We didn't get the fill in. Anyway. So by the way, on the website, we have the fill-ins unfilled and 
both filled in, so that's cool. We are called to remain in, in, come on, help me out, in Jesus. Not just to learn from him as a teacher, not just to surrender to him as our master and our king. We're to learn from him, but we're to participate with him. We're to surrender our lives to him. He's the king of kings and lord of lords, but we're to follow him. How did he live? Well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. You all know this. He was a friend of sinners. He spent time with people that were nothing like him. And yet, are you ready for this? The people he spent time with did not influence his life to change. He influenced their lives. So be careful. If you're you're not a strong believer, be careful who you hang with. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Be careful. But find people that you can invest in that are nothing like you, that don't agree with you, that don't vote like you, that don't look like you. That's so healthy. And love them enough to eventually they'll ask you why, and then you'll tell them, because I, I'm a branch. He's the vine, I'm the branch. I'm connected to him, and he participates with life. I participate in his life. He was a friend of sinners. He was a healer. Jesus was a healer everywhere he went. Now, some of you may possess the gift of supernatural healing. If so, please let me know. But many of you have been used on occasion as you've prayed for people and they've gotten healed. It's happened with our prayer team in our church. It's happened to me before. I prayed for people. I prayed for a little girl once that had cancer in her lungs. Nobody smoked in her family. She was 11 years old. We prayed for her right back here. I poured a whole bottle of oil on her head. She said she had a dream that I anointed her with oil and she got healed. I thought, sweetheart, if you have that kind of faith, I believe, but I'm going to pour a whole bottle of oil on your head. I had a big bottle, a cooking bottle of oil I poured on her head. Just dripped out her head. And we prayed over her and she got healed. Doctors gave her a year to live. She got healed. I got an invitation to her high school graduation. I got an invitation to her wedding. I got to see pictures of her kids. Now, don't come up to me after service and say, are you a healer? I was in that moment. Why? Because supernaturally, God does something through us. See, we, but we can all be healers. Someone who brings peace and comfort to someone else, that's healing. At the end of the day, do a little exam. I challenge you to do this. Are people more alive and healthier because they encountered me today? Good question. Are people more alive and healthier because they encountered you today? Well, I gave them a piece of my mind. I don't think that healed them. I told them how to vote in the next election. I don't think that healed them. I told them my viewpoints of 2020. I don't think that healed anybody. Actually, we've got enough viewpoints, 2020. And every viewpoint was right. Did you notice that? Everybody was right. And here we are. What are we called to do? We're called to be agents of healing. What's my presence today for people more of a wounding presence or a healing presence? Good question. Now, if you're married, don't you dare ask your wife this question. Are you more healing today, sweetheart? Are you therapeutic today? (laughs) Or did you cause more wounds today? Don't ask that of anybody who lives with you. 
But ask yourself that with the power of the Holy Spirit helping you. And Jesus was a proclaimer of the kingdom of God. We have to be bold enough. There's a challenge today. You came to church, you go, oh, gee, he's not going to challenge us. I'm going to challenge you. We are called to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this a bunch around here. Faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. And people in culture are calling for the privatization of faith. You keep your faith over here. Just stay contained in a church building or stay contained in your little devotion in the backyard on a lounge chair. But don't you dare bring that Bible, that gospel stuff around me. By the way, that's not biblical. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're called to be reconcilers of people. And by the way, people are desperate to know the love of God. And he wants to, to use you and to use me. I'm excited about the possibilities of the future. I'm excited to see you here this morning. I'm excited to see people that are joining us online from who knows where, all over. If you're in the chat this morning, go ahead and tell people where you're from. Cucamonga, California, go ahead. We had a lady from Cucamonga who was watching us. We had a guy from Sao Paulo, Brazil, who watched us and still watches us. He Googled church online and found Lompoc Foursquare, and he's been watching us for 16 months, Sao Paulo, Brazil. His English is pretty good. I've DM'd him. We, we chat back and forth. He's pretty good. Pretty good English. Yeah. His English is better than my Spanish. But he also speaks Portuguese, and I don't know about that. We're called to call others. Number two, do you remember uh, the story of, of Philip? Philip encounters Jesus, and he's moved by him and recognizes that he's the Messiah. And he goes and tells his friend Nathaniel, remember? He goes and tells his friend Nathaniel, you got you, you, you to gotta meet the Messiah. And Nathaniel says, let me paraphrase, oh, man, we've been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years, and we've got a lot of people around saying they're the Messiah. I don't want to deal with this. Can't you keep your religion to yourself, Philip? And Philip says, John 1, because Nathaniel says, where's this guy from? And he says, Nazareth. And and. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. And here's what Philip said. Come and come and see. And we know the story. Nathaniel goes and meets Jesus. And Jesus tells Nathaniel a bunch of stuff about Nathaniel that only Nathaniel would know. Isn't that great? Jesus was very prophetic. And he says to him, listen, I'm the Messiah. Nathaniel goes and thanks Philip because Nathaniel's name got written in the Bible. And Nathaniel goes and thanks Philip because Philip brought Nathaniel to Jesus. And Nathaniel says, let me paraphrase, hey, Philip, thank you, bro, because I would have missed this without you. I think of people who've come to LFC over the years because of people like you that were relentless in their pursuit to invite them to church. And it's not just about putting bodies in chairs. It's about sharing faith. I still remember a day where a couple got their friends to come to church and they ran over here while I was waiting to come play drums and Pastor B, Pastor B, Pastor B, what? Is everything okay? Yeah, our friends are here. 
like four years we've been trying to get them to church. They're here. What do we do? <laughs> I said, sit next to them and pray quietly. When I get up to flap my yap, you pray for them. huh? You pray for them. I said, how'd you get them here? We bribed them again for free lunch. We're going to take them to a nice restaurant afterwards and talk about whatever you talk about. I thought, wow, I got nervous. <laughs> hey, you got one of these when you came in? Did you? Oh, you're going to get them when you leave. Thank you, because he wins thinking. If you have them now, you'll leave them here. But if you get them when you go out, the chances are you might put them. Just a simple invite. It's not very fancy. We didn't go out and have graphic designers do it. We've done that in the past. It's just a card that says you're invited, church at LFC, 9 and 1045, digital church online, like right now. If somebody says, well, we don't like to go to church, good. You could stay home and watch it. Huh? It tells about kids' ministry. It also tells you about youth ministry on Tuesday nights where your kids can come or their kids can come and they get free food and we hang out together. And it's been very, very therapeutic for Zoom kids that have been Zoomed out, they got to come together and be together. How healthy that was. So I put it on you. I mean, it's, it's, it's your challenge to invite your friends, to get them encouraged, to ask questions about Jesus. And by the way, I want to dispel the fear that says, you don't know enough Bible or enough about Jesus to share your faith. Just tell people what you do know. Have a story that's 90 seconds long about how God has touched your life and changed your life. I love when people ask me, how are you? How you doing? I respond, you want to know about my personal life, my family life, my career life, my hobby life? What do you want to know about? And any one of those that they respond to, I have the same answer. Well, tell me about your family. Well, God's doing great things in my family because I put Jesus first. He helps my marriage. He helps me be a good father and a good grandpa. I couldn't do it on my own. Remain in me and I in you, the vine and branches. But, well, tell me about your hobbies. Oh, I love my hobbies. I, I love cars. I love hot rods. I love fishing, though I don't ever go, but I love it. You know what I've learned? As great as my hobbies are, my real joy comes from knowing Jesus, my relationship with him. By the way, I'm the branch, he's the vine. Just, just have a 90-second hip pocket or side purse answer so when someone asks you about Jesus, you can share your faith with them. Why? Because the third thing, we're called to encourage others. This is our assignment. Hebrews 10, 23. By the way, Hebrews is just a long sermon, one long sermon. But let's read this, can we? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is, yeah. Now, if you've ever driven and, and got distracted, maybe you've swerved before. Probably not you, 1045 people, they're swervers. You know what he's saying here? Stay in your lane, sweetheart. Don't get off track. Hang out in the hope that we profess. Speak words of hope to people for he who promised is, is faithful. Through a lot of this pandemic and all the stuff we've heard from all kinds of people, we have just chosen to be encouraging to people, even if they were discouraging to us. 
And as we go forward, what do we need? We need to encourage each other. And notice the next verse, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Would you read it with me? Ready, go. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging who? One another. And all the more... As you see the day approaching, the day of the return of Jesus, all the, all the more. Let us consider. This is something that we calculate. This word consider is kind of like blueprints for a, a building or a house project. Let us sit down and write out some blueprints of how our life can encourage other people's lives. Let us, let, let us come together and ask the question, let's just use the name Bob. We know Bob. How do we encourage Bob? And you start to write out, as it were, a blueprint and a plan for what Bob needs for his life to be encouraged. And then you go, as you remain in Jesus, and you go and you speak words of encouragement to him. He's saying your faith is going to remain rock solid. Remember that he is faithful. We, we hold on to the, to the promise that we have of God. But now he says, I want you to give it some thought. I want you to consider. I want you to consider how you can encourage people. See, discouragement has made people avoid community. Discouragement has caused, caused people to pull back. But here's what I know, that people lose faith when they lose contact with people of faith. Let me say it again. This is, this is the nugget today. This is Twitterific. This is Facebookable. This is, you know, Instagrammable and TikTokable. And people lose faith when they lose contact with people of faith. So I'm dealing with a couple families right now who, for 16 months, decided there's better things to do on Sunday than watch online church or come to outdoor service or come to indoor service. They've created new habits now. In 16 months. Pastor, why are you dealing with them? Because they're reaching out now. Because their families are starting to implode. They're not hanging with any Christian friends. They're just doing stuff. Hey, by the way, do stuff. Enjoy life. Come on. Enjoy it. Go to the beach. Go to the mountains. Go fishing. Go see Mickey. I mean, whatever you want to do. It's all good. But these families now are asking me, how can I help them with their marriage or with their influence on their kids? Because their kids have pushed back now and are starting to rebel. I want to say, when was the last time you had them hang out with other Christians? They can't give me an answer. It's been 16 months. You're doing a great thing today just being here. I'm serious. We're worshiping together. God is with us. You're listening to me challenge you. Yay. <laughs> hey, we partner with Jesus. We partner with Jesus to work in the lives of others. And we celebrate how God works in people's lives. And when that happens, we see God's faithfulness in someone else's life. And it's easier to trust God when we see how he works in someone else. It's easier to trust God when you see people go through tragedy and yet their faith remains. It's easier to worship God when you, when you see a loved one, a friend, go through 
just the horrific thing of cancer, and yet their faith is strong. It makes your faith strong. Or when the couple runs up and says, our friends are here. We've been investing in them for four years. They're here. Man, there's something good about that. I saw a family come a few weeks ago here. I haven't seen them in three years. They were here. That was cool. And they brought their kids to church. And their kids went to kids' church over there, and they came running out afterwards and said, oh, this is a pastor's dream. Mommy, we had a great time. <laughs> Dad said, what'd you learn? And the kids could tell them verbatim what they learned. The pastor was standing back. I was speechless, which is a miracle in itself. And I just watched these kids pour out on their parents. I don't know if anything we did in this room was of any value to that, to the mom and dad, but I know what they did over there was of value to those kids. Then they came back the next week. Why? Because Saturday night, the kids were saying to the parents, are we going to that church again tomorrow? Dad was saying, well, we'd rather go hiking. And mom was saying, I want to sleep in and have pancakes. And the kids said, no! We're tired of pancakes. I love this. We want to go to church. <laughs> I'm just happy about that. Sorry. I'll go over here and get excited in just a moment by myself. Oh, by the way, they were here because somebody at LFC told the family that our kids' ministries had started up again. And it was dad, thank God, not just mom, it was dad who said, we need to get our kids back at church. We only want to go one Sunday, and then we'll have a bunch off, and we'll have pancakes. The kids said, we're tired of pancakes. You know what the kids remind me of? Because they're so honest. They remind me of this. That people need Jesus. They want to know him. They want to walk with him. Let me just say this before I pray. We, we never know what hangs in the balance of our decision to obey and trust God. We never know what hangs in the balance when we have the courage to share our faith. We never know what hangs in the balance when we invite someone to church or to a conversation about Jesus. You may wonder what this crazy contraption is here. Well, vine and branches. Um, this has been cut off and it's struggling. And Jesus says, don't you dare be cut off. See, this is, this is a vine and branches that's in water. And we can transplant it, and it's going to do great things. This, not so much. There's a lot of people who are trying to put fake fruit on their life. This is fake. Don't come up later and try to get a bite. It's fake. We, 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 we try to fabricate fruit to make it look like we're strong. Churches do this all the time. Pastors do this all the time. Followers of Jesus do this all the time. I'll just look, I'll make sure I look good on the outside. We'll put some shiny fruit on our life. But what did Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus said, I want you to remain in me. Don't you dare get cut off. I want you to remain connected. I am the vine and 
you are the branches. And if I'm in you and you are in me and you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. You will develop those things in your life and people will come and see your real fruit, not your fake fruit, and they'll say, I want some of that. You think differently. You act differently. You process life differently. There's something in you and about you that's different. You're generous, not like other people who are takers. You're a giver. You're an encourager. Wherever you go, healing happens. I want some of that. If I had time, I'd tell you about a a leader. If I told you his name, you'd know his name. Who reached out because he saw the stuff on the news about LFC giving out gift boxes. Maybe you saw it too. He heard about the generosity of you. And he wanted to know my views on leadership. He is so far from God. Let me just say it again. He is so far from God. But guess what? We've had coffee three times now. Tell me about your life. What do you want to know about? My personal life? My spiritual life? Come on. My hobby life? I want to know about your leadership life. I don't know how on earth you stayed the same place almost 35 years. I don't get it. I don't know how you've done this thing. 43 years being a pastor. How'd you, how'd you survive? Oh, it's easy. Just wake up in the morning and it's so easy. You know what I told him in the last conversation? The only thing good about Bernie Fetterman, get ready for this. The only thing good about Bernie Fetterman is I made a decision one day to put my life into the life of Jesus. I made a decision one day that he, he would be the vine and I'd be one of his branches. And I'm having a conversation with a guy who's watching the fruit of this church that's causing him to ask questions about leadership and I'm introducing him to the greatest leader who ever walked the planet, Jesus Christ. Hey, wherever you are in your life, Two things. Make sure you don't try this. This is too painful. And remember, God can't heal the fake you. That's, that's too deep, I know. God can't heal the fake you. It's not your job and responsibility to try to create fruit. It's the Lord working it in your life and through your life and helping you as a vine and a branch. So Lord, help us. Help us to remain in you and to do whatever it takes to be more like you. May our words and our actions and our thoughts reflect you in us. We don't just want to follow you, as great as that is. We want to participate with you. We want to be transformed in our relationships. We want to love people like you do. We want to serve people like you do. Help us, God, to be the reason why someone wants to follow you. Help us, Lord, to be sold out to you. You're you're the vine, we're the branches. And we love you and we praise you. And for your namesake, we pray. And for the sake of our family and our neighbors, we ask you to use us in Jesus' name. Amen?
Amen. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.